Hello and welcome back to First Pages Readings, where books are celebrated as cultural messengers. And thanks for joining me. Welcome to Episode 55 of First Pages Readings. Today I'll be reading from three young adult novels, so let's get started. Today's first book is Song of Silver, Flame Like Night by Amelie Wen Zhao. Rich in ancient Chinese mythology, this intriguing fantasy includes elaborate world-building and a compelling plot. Battles of power have raged over centuries and dynasties, as the main characters begin a journey to discover the secrets of restoring the sovereignty and magic of their conquered land. Along the way, they battle demon beasts and employ magical powers. The book's momentum is rich and mesmerizing, and the story is a fascinating one. The first page of Song of Silver, Flame Like Night. Power is always borrowed, never created. Book of the Way. Atlantean Age, Cycle 12. The Black Port, Hagong. The last kingdom had been brought to its knees, but the view was mighty fine from here. Lan tipped her bamboo hat over her head, parting her lips in pleasure as the cool evening breeze combed through strands of her silky black hair. Sweat slicked her neck from the afternoon's work of hawking wares at the local eve market, and her back ached with the beating she'd received from Madame Meng for stealing sugar plum candies from the kitchen at the tea house. But in rare moments like this, when the sun hung ripe and swollen as a mandarin over the glittering sea, there was still a shattered glass beauty to be found in the remnants of a conquered land. The city of Hagong unfurled before her in a patchwork of contradictions. Red lanterns were strung from curved temple eve to gray-shingled rooftop. Weaving and wending between pagodas and courtyards wreathed in the halo of night bazaars and evening fairs. On the distant hills, the Atlanteans had settled on higher ground, building their strange architecture of stone, glass, and metal, to watch over the hen like gods. The skyline glowed a dusky auric from their alchemical lamplight that spilled through stained-glass windows and arched marble doorways. Lan rolled her eyes and turned away. She knew the story of the gods, any gods, to be a big, steaming bowl of turd. Much as the Atlanteans wished to pretend otherwise, Lan knew they had come to the Last Kingdom for one thing— resources. Ships full of powdered spices and golden grains and verdant tea leaves, chests of silks and Semites, jades and porcelains, left Hagong for the Atlantean Empire, across the sea of heavenly radiance each day. Today's next book is As Long as the Lemon Tree Grows by Zulfa Katu. This is a beautiful, heartbreaking, and haunting book. It's part love letter to Syria and part witness to revolution and war and their tragic effects. The story is one of suffering, but also of resilience and life-affirming transformation. While its pages are filled with deep, abiding sorrow as its main character works to escape the revolution along with her best friend, Its pages are also filled with an irrepressible and powerful testament to the human spirit and its will to survive. This book will stay with you long after closing its covers. 
The first page of As Long as the Lemon Tree Grows. Three shriveled lemons and a plastic bag of pita bread that's more dry than moldy sit next to one another. That's all the supermarket has to offer. I stare with tired eyes before picking them up, my bones aching with every movement. I stroll around the dusty, empty aisles once more, hoping maybe I missed something. But all I met with is a strong sense of nostalgia. The days when my brother and I would rush into the supermarket after school and fill our arms with bags of chips and gummy bears. This makes me think of Mama and the way she would shake her head, trying not to smile at her red-faced, starry-eyed children trying their best to hide the spoils of war in their backpacks. She'd brush our hair. I shake my head. Stop. When the aisles proved to be truly empty, I trudged to the counter to pay for the lemons and bread with Baba's savings, from whatever he was able to withdraw before that fateful day. The owner, a bald old man in his sixties, gives me a sympathetic smile before returning my change. Outside the supermarket, a desolate picture greets me. I don't recoil, used to the horror, but it amplifies the anguish in my heart. Cracked road, the asphalt reduced to rubble, gray buildings hollowed and decaying as the elements try to finish what the military's bombs started. Utter and absolute destruction. The sun has been slowly melting away the remains of winter, but the cold is still here. Spring, a symbol of new life, does not extend to worn-out Syria. Today's third book is Echoes of Grace by Mexican-born author Guadalupe Garcia McCall. This engrossing story covers difficult topics like gender-based crime and generational trauma. It also engages the reader in Mexican cultural history within a backdrop of Gothic storytelling. Its main character, Grace, has premonitions which blend past and present. Her journey to uncover truth and unveil fiction is filled with challenges as well as discovery. This book shines a light on topics that will inspire conversation and change. The first page of Echoes of Grace Eagle Pass, Texas, June 2011 There is a fuzzy black caterpillar sitting on the wooden railing of the porch. It's quite unusual to find them in the light of day, especially here in the scorching hot South Texas sun. Because the caterpillar of Hypercompe scribonia, the giant leopard moth, is a nocturnal creature. It prefers to stay out of sight and only comes out to feed at night. I know that because we have thousands of them in our yard. Most of them live off the old mulberry tree in the front yard. Some of them hide behind large patches of perforated leaves or under heavy rocks, in between the planks of the creaking floorboards or under the rickety porch steps. Others cling to the underside of the dating bench. The only piece of furniture in the yard, handmade by my father at my grandmother's request. My father's mother, Guilita Rosa, is very old-fashioned and demanded a space out here where she could keep an eye on us from the kitchen window when we got old enough to have boys over. Hurry up, I yell as I pound on our front door again. There are a million things I'd rather be doing than standing around waiting for my older sister Mercedes, or Mercy, as she prefers to be called these days, 
to come out of the house. She's late again, which means that I can't get my day started, not until she's left the driveway and I'm alone with my daily ritual. Wake up Gualita Rosa, feed her and Alexander, wash the dishes, sort and put away the laundry. Once that is done, I can sit down and sketch and think and create. Thank you for spending time with me today. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe.